Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Nothing to Fear, a weekly horror movie podcast. One of the best little horror movie podcasts this side of the internet, I think. My name is Billy Schultz, and I am joined by two incredibly talented and gifted friends, Luke Mason and Alex hmm. Wan. Luke, how are you doing this morning? Well, now I'm curious. What side of the internet are we on? <laughs> the legal well, there's side. Well, a, there's a light side and a dark side. <laughs> Oh, as far okay. as I know. <laughs> that actually still hasn't cleared it up. <laughs> Which side of the internet are we on, Billy? <laughs> or, the you know what, maybe you this could be our quickest Star Wars reference in the episode, or in the run, but are we like the greatest Star Wars film yet? The Last Jedi were on the gray side? Ah, could be. <laughs> you know, for someone that doesn't like that movie, you talk about it a lot. You talk about it a lot. Well... I don't think it's uncommon for people to often talk about things they don't like. Yeah, that's but true. Do you be... think you'd be a happier person if you talked about things you'd like more? <laughs> you talk about The Last Jedi way more than you talk about A New Hope. You know what? Okay, hang on. You know what? I don't think that's true. Okay, not it's way so... more. Some more. Some more. <laughs> it's so much easier to like talk about something you don't you don't like than it is to not like. But I, I would say that Luke <laughs> Luke talks about Star Wars. Just as much. And also, uh, you're sticking with this shtick of not noticing the first one, because I said light and dark side uh, 20 seconds in, and then you're like, I'm going to do the Star Wars reference. <laughs> well, I was including your reference as ah, the, okay. the royal reference. Let's the royal say. the royal reference. So royal, I guess it, it's a reference about Alderaan. <laughs> this is a pot. We've already gone. We haven't even been doing this for a year, and we're already self-parody to the max, to the point of annoyance. But... <laughs> Thank you all, everyone, for listening. We're on the light <laughs> side. Is that the takeaway? That's the takeaway. That is okay. the takeaway. Alex Wan, you've been very patient. How are you doing today? I'm okay. Just hanging out. It's a nice day off. I think I'm one of the lucky few, maybe, that get Easter Monday off. Right? Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people get Easter Monday off. So Apparently, thanks. it's not really a thing yeah. all over Thanks the for place. resurrecting the day. Thanks for having the day after you resurrected Jesus. I really appreciate it. Well, could could this be chalked up to the ambiguity of what three days means? Like, is it three days after Good Friday, or does the day it happens count as one of the three days? Right? Why like, do they call oh. it Good Friday? Why not Good Charlotte? <laughs> you know what? I'll have to say, the, e- the Easter story, finally, finally, we find some ambiguity in the Bible. Finally, thank God. <laughs> Literally. So, so to speak. Yeah, but do I thank him on Sunday or Monday? It's unclear. So I always thought that it was really more of, you know, they say like, oh, yeah, Jesus was gone for three days. But if he crucifixion happened Friday evening, he spends all day Saturday in the like cave. And then on Sunday morning, it's really like a day and a half, maybe two days tops. Like it's three calendar days, but it's it's like, what, 40 hours, I would say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So and also like, would it be the seventh day? And is the seventh day Sunday or is it Monday? Or is it Saturday? For what? I don't know. For weeks. are you talking? Are you talking about the Adventists? What's that? Because the Seventh Day Adventists. Is that a thing? Welcome. Yes, it's a yes. type of Christianity. If I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, well, I probably am mistaken because there's like some. I'm sure there's some genealogical that has things never stopped us here. before. <laughs> yeah, I believe that they're. I think they're an offshoot of either the Jehovah Witness or the Mormons. I can't remember which. Mm. And I, 
I'm pr- I'm more confident in saying the group at Waco, Texas, in the 1993 51-day standoff that they had with the FBI was a Seventh-day Adventist. Um, mm. All right, that's quite enough dogma for, I think, the rest of the run of this podcast. So this is the number one horror movie podcast with three hosts who are all going to hell for sure. And every week we take turns picking a horror movie. This week is my week, and I am picking the movie Tremors, which is a 90s campy monster movie starring Kevin Bacon, Friday the 13th's own Kevin Bacon, ever heard of him, and... I remember watching this movie when I was very young. I was probably about 10 or 11 when I ended up seeing it. And the memory I have around this movie is it was one of those filmed from TV onto VHS. And there was like little snippets of commercials. But I remember it scaring the hell out of me. I was so afraid that if I was going to like make vibrations on the ground that a worm was going to burrow up from the earth and eat me. And... I have very vivid memories of being scared. I think there's a scene where somebody like hides up, like tries to climb an electrical pole and gets electrocuted to get away from it. And so I'm so like excited to see what nine, 10, 11 year old Billy remembers and how that will change now that 36 year old Billy is, is watching this. But um, Mm. Alex, what do you know about Tremors? I know Kevin Bacon's in it. And I know there's monsters. And I am curious of how many degrees of separation I have from Kevin Bacon. But besides those things, I don't know too much about this. And, you know, I I, I am curious. Did you pick this? Like, I know you had two kind of movies in mind, but you decided against the slasher one. Did you pick this one because you just recently watched Godzilla vs. Kong and you're like, I'm into monsters now? Uh, 100%. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I'm in the mood for some monsters let's let's go i had i had it narrowed down to the two that i was going to pick and i was like you know what we're doing it we're doing tremors it's gonna be campy and weird and bad but i'm like super super into it so yeah i hope you are too (laughs) yeah so from what i know about monster movies is personally i really enjoy monster movies and i enjoy monster movies because of the monsters and but knowing what i know about monster movies i don't think this will be a good movie but i think i'll like it so yeah that, that's that's those are my expectations going into it monster movies are ton of fun they're not good movies though for sure luke what do you know about tremors well wasn't there a song from this film nominated for best original song at the oscars i think it was by the desert boys bad vibrations <laughs> you're so pleased uh, with yourself uh, I was formulating it for a minute. I could tell. I've never seen this movie. I know what it's about. I'm going to... I wonder if the worms are going to be doing it all the time. Doing it all the oh. time. <laughs> and since I don't know anything about this movie, I have a question for the two of you. Okay. What is the number one movie you associate with Kevin Bacon? If you hear the name Kevin Bacon, what's the first movie you think of? Uh, for me footloose pro- is it footloose okay yeah it's footloose for me it's apollo 13 because that was the first movie i ever watched with kevin okay, bacon yeah. in it and then so it's like the one i remember the most and obviously most people remember that as a tom hanks movie but i kind of mm-hmm. weirdly remember it as a kevin bacon movie because tom hanks has so many other movies i remember as a tom hanks movie but that's my kevin bacon movie what about <laughs> friday the 13th 
Was yeah. he in that one? He was in that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was. He got arrowed, remember? That's right, yeah. Spoilers for Friday the 13th, I guess. My Nobody cares. That movie sucked. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My knowledge of Kevin Bacon, the movie I associate number one with is, I guess pop culturally, it's probably Footloose because of the dance and all the memes surrounding it. But for me, it was Hollow Man, where it's mm. kind of like a Invisible Man take, and he turns visible and then also is crazy and creepy. And so I remember that one. I remember it not being very good, but that's the one. Those two are vying for top spot. And I guess mm. I would see Footloose more because you can't really see an Invisible Man as easily. So that's why it looms a bit larger right. in my mind. Well, Hollow Man's a good option, especially if the Elizabeth shoe fits. <laughs> God damn it. You're on fire. <laughs> we got to do more Monday recordings. <laughs> and Elizabeth shoe played uh, i forget her name but she was in the first season of the boys oh yes yeah yeah yeah. that was a good she pacified homelander with his do we call it a kink i guess it was a kink i think we're calling it a kink (laughs) was he wearing a diaper though like is that the full-on kink or is it just half no i think it was just like drinking breast milk was his kink uh we're milking this you brought it up (laughs) (laughs) all right well if i didn't cut is it like normal milk I don't know. I don't. We're well, it's we're like, not, it's I mean, it is natural. normal milk. I, okay. Yeah. Is it like dairy milk? No. I, I can't like... get it in your coffee. As a I either don't remember or never had it. Question. Does the word dairy no. specifically apply only to cow's milk or could it apply to like goat or other mammals milk too? That's a good question. And I don't have an answer for you. And I will not hmm. look up the answer. What do you think, I think Billy? it applies to any sort of mammalian milk so mm. oat milk wouldn't be dairy oat milk is i guess no it's not how about almond milk no okay cashew soy milk <laughs> no here's what but see here's the thing when i was a kid i was allergic to milk like cow's milk but we were still allowed to drink goat's milk so i don't know oh i think it, but i didn't uh, like it so i didn't this isn't science versus we don't need to answer this question right now <laughs> is goat's milk sour tasting yeah all right anyway we are going to (laughs) dive into this movie and listeners there's going to be spoilers as we go in and as always check out doesthedogdie.com to see if there's anything that you should be frightened of and if i left all that bullshit in then you'll know sort of what the vibe is of this podcast leading into the second half so without further ado unless you want to riff on weird milks for another 20 minutes We'll go into the trailer, and I'm going to push stop now. <laughs> Perfection, a scorched outpost in the middle of nowhere. You know how close I am to leaving this place right now? How close? Maybe that's why Val and Earl decided to leave town. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hold up. That's Edgar Deans. They just picked the wrong day to do it. Jeez. You guys better get the hell out of here. There's a killer on the loose. Who could be doing it? Is that a snake? I'll give you boys five dollars for this. Twenty. That's how they get you. They're under the ground. What the hell? How could they eat a whole station wagon? But where do they come from? I vote for outer space. No way these are local boys. You see, they're headed right for us. No Richter scale can measure it. They're coming! 
No scientist can explain it. Bert, they're under the ground! You didn't get penetration even with the alpha gun. Run, run! And no one knows what to call it. Megaworms or suckers or, or suckoids. Now, this valley is just one long smorgasbord. Now, it's up to Val and Earl to save the world. That's one big mother. Who died and made you Einstein? And they know just what to do. Flip for it. Damn. Kevin Bacon. Fred Ward. Tremors. We have bars. Mad bars. I think I have bars. Do I have bars? Oh, my volume is so low. One second. Okay. <laughs> are you re-recording or are you just adjusting? Uh, I'm just adjusting. So okay. it's still going. Yeah. But yeah, it's good. It's good now. It's good now. Perfect. Alrighty. Alex, take it away. Let's go. Tremors is a 1990 American monster horror comedy film directed by Ron Underwood, written by Brent Maddock, and stars Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward, Finn Carter, Michael Gross, and Reba McIntyre. Tired of their dull lives in a small desert town of Perfection, Nevada, repairman Val McKee and Earl Bassett try to skip town. However, they happen upon a series of mysterious deaths and a concerned seismologist Rhonda studying unnatural readings below the ground. With the help of eccentric survivalist couple Bert and Heather Gummer, the group fights for survival against giant worm-like monsters hungry for human flesh. Oh boy. <laughs> this movie, there is no way I remembered how campy this movie was. And it was, it, yeah, it was way, way, way campier than I thought. And I had a really fun time the whole time. But before we get into it, I did complete my six degrees of Kevin Bacon homework. I hope all of you did as well. I'm sure you didn't, but that's all right. Well, you can just add add one for, add for one, that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> okay. So six degrees, Kevin Bacon. I was an extra in a movie called Carol's Christmas and I was in university. It was a take on the Christmas Carol mythos and Wallace Shawn played the Ebenezer Scrooge character. And I chatted to him once at the craft table. We talked about pie. It was... It was my my one famous person story. He was in a movie from 1979 called Starting Over with Burt Reynolds, Jill Clayburgh, Candace Bergen, and one Mr. Kevin Bacon. So that's only two degrees to Kevin Bacon from me. <laughs> so I'm three degrees to Kevin Bacon. You're Easy. Three. Luke is four. <laughs> well, Luke doesn't know you. Luke knows me. Who knows you? Yeah. Don't exactly. don't we don't we have to be in a movie? No. I think it's like... No. Okay, so isn't it the play on like six degrees of separation where everybody knows everybody else through six people? Oh, I see. I see. <sighs> so there you go. Luke is not interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Sorry to bore you. <laughs> nah, well... I, I was tired before you talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make you less tired. Okay. So it's either net, neutral or, or worse. But anyway... Let's talk about Tremors. Alex, what'd you think? It is a monster movie. And I believe that if you go into the monster movie expecting anything other than people driving fast and eating ass, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> there were people driving fast and there was implied eating of ass. So I had a great time in this movie and it was dumb. It was cheesy. It was campy. It was corny. It was overacted, but it was so fun, and I laughed out loud, and it was not scary at all. 
but N- it was a good time. Not even a little bit. Luke, what'd you think of this one? This movie was totally fine and enjoyable and a romp and cheesy and like inoffensive cheese, I guess. It was so cheesy, but it didn't really offend me in any way. So, you know, for what that's worth. <laughs> it's a, it's like a, I, I, I mean, I'll just point this out again at the beginning because I think I do almost every time for these kind of movies, but I think consistency matters in this realm. Uh, if you wanted to analyze this movie in a way you'd analyze your hereditaries or your get-outs or your <laughs> pie-wackets, this movie is terrible. But if you wanted <laughs> yeah. to analyze it in your child's plays, your Nightmare on Elm Streets, and your Friday the 13th, even, I dare say, this movie's pretty good. So just in comparison to the company you... it might keep, right? Are you telling me there's no deeper psychological aspect to this movie uh <laughs> you know if you're if you're bored in a town and you want to explore the deep outer world you know what ends up being exciting is what was in your backyard the whole time <laughs> i think that's a deep lesson we can get from it there right? we go yeah i guess i just don't know how intentional that theme was in the writers <laughs> How dare you? This is the Brent Maddock we're talking about. Look, you you really had to dig through some Pleistocene alluvial to get to that metaphor. Hey, hey Alex. No, I, I, I enjoyed this movie. This actually seems to me like similar to actually Star Wars. This is the perfect kind of movie to have on mute in a bar. This yes, is like 100%. a perfect... This is like a Die Hard or a Star Wars or Twister we were talking about off air. Mm-hmm. There's just some movies that are so stupid but entertaining that you don't even need to hear them to kind of be enjoying them. And like that's not to say there aren't some great quips and it adds to the charm of this movie. But like really, I don't, I don't know exactly how to put it, but like it's kind of just it makes good ambience almost better than a film. Like, it's just kind yeah. of, it's fun to be around Tremors than to be always <laughs> just watching Tremors. <laughs> so I liked it. I'm not tempted to say it's like a Oscar-worthy piece of art. But no, it's well, like You'd a, be a liar if you said that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's better than Friday the 13th. It's better than some of these campy movies. It's not as good mm-hmm. as the ultimate camp movie, the best campy movie ever made, Back to the Future. It's not uh-huh. nearly as good as Back to the Future, but it's way better than most campy movies, I think. Nice. Yeah, speaking of background movies that you put on mute, a few years ago, probably about five years ago now, I had a big giant pig roast at my lake house up with you know with a bunch of friends from from band we were all in and we had this copy of independence day at the lake it was just on dvd but it was from that era of dvds where there was just like random weird features in and one of these things was if it got to the end of the disc it would boot up the title screen and then if it stayed on the title screen for five minutes it would just start playing the movie again so we put it on and for the whole weekend it was just the tv was on in the background it was mute and independence day was playing on a loop and that is like that exact type of feeling where it's just like oh okay here we are (laughs) like those disaster movies are perfect like the more late 90s armageddon deep impact Day after Those tomorrow. Cry, like you could see I can see Tremors as a progenitor of the popularity of those kind of movies in the mid and late nineties, which is kind of fun too. Mm-hmm. 
And okay, I want to talk about the actors specifically because they were campy and stuff. But I thought that Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward had just amazing chemistry on screen the whole time. They were like easily my favorite part <laughs> of this movie. Son of a bitch. Son I feel like bitch. this was Kevin Bacon's version of method acting. Like, I feel like they stayed in character between takes. Oh, so yeah. this was kind of like Kevin Bacon's Joker role, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he was but way better than Jared Leto. But I just, yeah, just, I don't know. Kevin Bacon has always been this, like, you know, be-mulleted, honky-tonk cowboy guy. And whether or not he's in Apollo 13s or not, he's always got that sheen about him. And just, oh, boy, he was in, well, like shit kickers and jeans and a cowboy hat yeah 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 like as a kevin bacon aside (laughs) let it sizzle i i think i'm kind of because i always associate kevin bacon with apollo 13 kind of by default and he's actually quite serious in that film like it's a i imagine that movie was a bit of a departure for his reputation as an actor because if you look (laughs) at a lot of his earlier films these are these like these schlocky teen or young adult or early 20s marketed to type of films right and campy and everything and i i mean not to get too serious on this podcast but i thought his performance in apollo 13 was amazing like i thought he was such a good character like he portrayed that guy who pressed the button to stir the oxygen tanks, which made the oxygen tanks blow. So it's like he pressed the button, but it wasn't his fault. And dealing with that kind of thing was just mm. like, I, I sing his praises as an act as a, as a non camp type of actor. So it is kind of funny for me to see these older movies with him where it's like, Oh, he's like completely different. <laughs> in, in yeah. These earlier movies in his career. So that just speaks to his versatility. I think as a, as a performer and an artist. Absolutely. What did you think about Val and Earl? Val and Earl, the the two friends. Friends. <laughs> good friends, uh, good buddies. <laughs> yeah, they, they they drove fast and they, you know, did other things. I, yeah. Cool, Mode cool grass. Really uh, good chemistry together. It felt natural. Like, they, like, I think the characters themselves, you're, it's never explicitly said, but you, you can probably guess that they have worked together for a long, long time. And, you know, they're they're handymen, so they do odd jobs and they just they, they do whatever they can to make money. So there's all this like past history that we never see, but it's just kind of it feels natural that they, they've worked together for so long and they know each other really well and they're always like doing the dumb like rock, paper, scissors to like figure out who gets what or who gets to do what. They, they they do like they have like that kind of competition attitude towards each other all the time yeah and there's not much else to say like the, overall they're pretty shallow characters like there's not a lot right. of growth in them but like they were just fun to witness and watch you know fight giant worms <laughs> yeah the arc for kevin bacon's character was doesn't have a plan to comes up with a plan at the very end and that's like the emotional growth that he makes. Oh, and also he decides that he could like lower himself to date a brunette instead of like his like typical fantasy woman. <laughs> so like that's that's the the shallowest arc I think we've we've had in a movie. But that's not the point, right? It's not like a character <laughs> development movie. You know, these boys are just like they're good buddies. 
I, this is just me, but I always read anytime there's like two like really good male friends who like live together and share an address and make breakfast for each other. I'm like, mm, maybe there are a couple, <laughs> but, <laughs> but why not? Uh, it was beautiful. And you it could was, tell that they loved each other. It was other. a little too 1990s for that to be, you know, explicit, oh, yeah. right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course they had Kevin It would have Kevin to be Bacon. the undertone, <laughs> yeah. so to speak. The un- the under vibration. This was this was before Brokeback Mountain yeah, exactly. made it cool. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> one degree of Heath Ledger if we're going that direction, eh? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so they're in this small town and they want to leave, and then some something's killing off sheep and and scaring people up telephone poles and causing weird seismic things and we very quickly learn actually we don't we don't very quickly learn i think it builds probably like the first half hour you don't really see the worm or the graboid as they are called which (laughs) during the during the conversation when they're like what do we call these things i wrote a note that was like yes tell us what to call these things so we can talk about them in the podcast thank you so much and it's really just set piece after set piece of them escaping these giant subterranean worms that were i don't know they were really effective for 1990 i thought that despite them being obvious puppets they were good i thought they looked great yeah (laughs) i don't know you gotta help me out here friends (laughs) yeah i mean like what they what they look like was like um you you put a condom in the dirt and then you fill it with like jelly and then you smash it against the wall that's what they look like especially when they died (laughs) <laughs> just yeah what? but like orange clumps of orange goo jelly. orange jelly yeah marmalade maybe yeah red jello their mouths reminded me a little bit of the xenomorphs so that could have been part of the inspiration right with mm. the, the extra monster in their mouth mm, oh yes, the, right. the little the little ones yeah like how the xenomorph has the extra little teeth that mm. come out of its mouth the little one re- reminded me of that one soup in the boys season two you know when they're in the in the prison, and you know the soup with the giant hog. <laughs> oh, soup oh. like super superhero, yeah. not like soup like a a dish that yeah. you would eat with a spoon. <laughs> yes, not the ingested liquid. The superhero. Oh, there was a superhero form. with a huge dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which Spoiler one? Fruit. He was in the the, the one with the huge dick, Luke. I don't know I don't how else to describe name. it. What was his name? It didn't have a name. I don't think he had a name. It was, was just it the one gra- with the big dick. Graboid man? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I like to think that they were like, okay, Alien did a mouth, and then there was a mouth inside that mouth. How do we one-up James Cameron? I know. Three mouths Yeah. <laughs> inside this one. and We're going to three-up them. We're going to three-up them. And I, I also thought that the... Because like the little tongues had their own little weird grabby mouths, but then the the main creature, the the mandibles and the jaw, that I thought reminded me of Starship Troopers, mm-hmm. the the big bugs that they were blown up in there. That just just gave me vibes of that. And well, I and especially because Star Troop they... Starship Troopers was like seven years after this movie, so mm-hmm. it probably yeah. inspired Starship Troopers. And having recently watched Starship <laughs> Star starship troopers it's like almost the same movie <laughs> in terms of acting and dialogue and oh yeah just attitude towards things happening <laughs> but more gary Busey in starship troopers than in <laughs> in 
in this one. Or is it Jake Busey? What's, I think it's Jake Busey. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Jake Busey. One of the Buseys. Denise Richards. She's the she's the real gem. <laughs> yeah, Luke Wilson as well. He's in that? No. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> Pat- <laughs> Patrick Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, well, this is getting so meta then. Like, we could play Six Degrees of Tremors. <laughs> How many movies could play are six removed? Degrees of Tremors. How many how many movies are removed from Tremors in how that they're inspired or inspired by? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing because I was looking on the IMDb and there's like seven or eight Tremors movies, and there's one that's there was a TV show. I think they announced one that is like maybe going into production later in like this year or maybe next year. Like for for the weird idea of it being kind of like a. I mean, a little bit like a Jaws knockoff, really, where it's like there's something under the ground. It's not the ocean. And then they have to figure out a way to kill it. And in the end, they blow it up. Like in that way, it feels like they were like, what if Jaws, but the desert? And then they just like worked backwards from there. And yeah, I'm going to guess that the rest of them aren't good. Oh, I'm certain they're not. They don't have Kevin Bacon, but a lot of them, I was looking on IMDb, a lot of them have Fred Ward. And a lot of them have the guy that played the like survivalist. Hmm. The Gummer character. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> so. The the guy who was Gummerin' all over the place. He was just gums and gum. <laughs> and Reba McIntyre was his wife, which I was like, what is she doing in this movie? And I was like, oh, because it's a 90s movie, she's going she's gonna to sing a song at the end. <laughs> I did feel like maybe she wrote the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> it was very rootin' tootin' western, like steel guitar was the main instrument of this soundtrack. Okay, here but. here's a horror movie question. Okay. So, for in this movie, in the most recent one we did yesterday with or last week with Thank you. Your Next and then in The Strangers, I feel like there's this kind of has it become a horror movie cliche where when something scary is happening, there's like just like bright jolly music playing in the background? <laughs> is that is that a thing? Cuz I I'm I'm getting a little tired of that thing. Of like old to me. the juxtaposition of like the song versus like something murdery happening. Yeah. Same with like, I don't know, in American Psycho when he's like, hey, you like sports <laughs> or whatever, whatever that band was. Hu- Huey. Okay, oh, well, Huey Lewis in the news. Huey. Lu- yeah. Do you, do you mean like just like a song that doesn't fit the seriousness of the situation? Yeah, it's like an upbeat song, maybe something super happy. In this case, in Tremors, it was like this. Like the radio flipped on, and it was this like really cheery country sounding thing with banjos while the golden people were dying. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's being pulled under. How, how do you two feel about that? Well, I think that's definitely a trope in horror movies, and I think that it is used to middling effect. And yeah, maybe if if we've seen it not necessarily three times in a row, but seeing it over and over again, I think we are just as well uncovering common things that happen in horror movies. And one of them is like, wouldn't it be weird if this very happy song was playing while somebody was getting their brain smashed in? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, like we notice that the house gets burned down a lot of the times, or there's a scary hallway, there's going to be a creepy monster in there. Then, you know, we're just sort of seeing some of the the bones of the horror genre that are being Mm -hmm. put into movies over and over again. But go ahead, Luke, what do you got? Well, it's a... It's a movie mechanism, and I think like any mechanism that can be utilized for a story, it can either be done poorly or well. 
and how that how you would define poorly or well is often up to taste or how it strikes you. So I think, Alex, you give some examples where maybe those don't land as well in The Strangers and in Your Next. It did make me think of one where I think it, it works really well. Have either of you seen the film The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? Which one? There was like the a couple one. different versions. Uh, sorry, the, 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 the one David Fincher did. Okay, I have, yes. Have you seen that one, Alex? No. no. Okay, well, I'll try to keep this as spoiler-free as possible, but any listeners... It's very, fine. Very mild spoilers for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. There's a you really crazy... There's a scene near the end of that film that involves the imprisonment of one of our main characters at the hands of the villain, and the villain is going to use a knife or something like that to basically disembowel our lead character who is imprisoned at the time and the song or Orinoco flow or or I can't remember the name of it by Enya is playing yep so it's like this super upbeat beautiful stringy song and it's a David Fincher film so the whole movie's been kind of bleak and kind of stylized bleak in a way right Mm -hmm. And so there hadn't been really any music thus far in the movie. And so like all of a sudden Enya comes on in this really dire (laughs) scene. And I just remember like that scene so stayed with me, like the visceral nature of the happy song versus the terrible thing that's going on. So I just, I provide that as a, as a potential example of like, well, like anything, you can either do it poorly or well. And there's an example where I think it was done really well in not exactly a horror movie, but certainly a, a dark thriller, right? So mm-hmm. maybe it's in just in the context of the whole film, right? Tremors is obviously a very different kind of movie than The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. <laughs> so maybe mm-hmm. it works. Maybe it works in those more serious movies than it does in a campy movie because you're just like, well, this is more of the same. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's funny you mention repeated music or types of music because putting together the episodes all the time and I'm putting together the episode for Your Next and the trailer has a song that's played that was very, very familiar to me and I I couldn't place it for a long time until I remembered that Cabin in the Woods uses the exact same song in their trailer. So it's Mm. if, if, if if listeners, if you've listened back and you've, wonder like is this song the same it's lou reed's perfect day and it just opens up with like this piano and then he's like singing about it being a perfect day which you know mixed with all the murder and stuff is just like another one of those interesting juxtapositions but when i heard it when i was putting together the the episode for your next i was like i swear to god i've heard this song somewhere for this podcast and i spent like 20 minutes looking back through trailers to be like is it this one no is it this one no so just that's the thing, Those you know? trailer editors that are just getting lazy, you know? Reusing the same song, reusing the same voice this summer. They're in the pocket of Big Lou Reed. <laughs> <laughs> it's just got to be another movie. Also in this movie, though, was the actress who, Luke, you, you mentioned just turned 40 this year to make us all feel extra old, but she played Lexi in Jurassic Park. The little girl Molly on her pogo stick was the same. Oh. It's the same was it girl, Mindy? Yeah. Mindy, sorry, yeah, Mindy, yeah, whatever, Mindy. But that was I'm oh, really? the best that with was... names. That was her, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Six degrees of Jurassic Park. <laughs> Six, yeah. So Jurassic Park connects to Kevin Bacon, connects to us, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. She's just she's just in the monster movies, right? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. There you go. She cut her teeth on Tremors and then went to an island in Costa Rica, <laughs> learned how to be a hacker in the meantime. 
So I do like that. And Jeff Goldblum was also in Independence Day, and we'd already talked about that movie today. Oh my God! It's all (laughs) it's all together. We're we're Charlie Day with red strings and. It's always sunny. There we go. Now we're talking about Charlie Day. Uh, who was in Pacific Rim, which was a monster movie, which was very fun. It would be fun to have on at a bar. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't John Boyega in that movie too? The second one. Oh, the second one. Okay. So the fact that we, you know, we basically said this is not a horror movie, but I like how it holds true to some of the horror movie writing techniques where it's like okay there's a reason we need to have a reason why the characters can't just leave can't just drive away and so they do that i thought they did that really well by having i guess there's only one phone in this tiny tiny town in perfection nevada and it's out of service so they try to drive and then the worms have like taken over a road crew and Cause a major landslide that wouldn't you know it blocks the only road out of town and so they have to they have to stay in and then basically the whole movie is just them trying to find a way out of town and getting sent right back into town until the very end when they i guess eventually make it to the mountains and and head over into bixby there's so many different plans they go through which was like (laughs) I don't know. They made sense to me. It's like, all right, let's drive out. Nope, can't drive out. All right, well, if the road's out, let's take horses. Oh, no, the horses died. Can we go to the mountains? No, we need a we need a four by four. Oh, we don't have one. Okay, I guess we're stuck here. Wait, what if we use the bulldozer? Oh, that'll work. Oh, no, the bulldozer broke. We're stuck on a rock again. What if we kill the monsters now? (laughs) It's like very A, B, C, D, you know, point A to point B. But it's stuff that made sense. And it I don't I don't think this movie it didn't feel like it dragged on like it, it felt like it was good yeah mm-hmm. it kept me going the whole time and like you like you had commented Luke in, a, in another movie that the characters adapted to the changing situation where they're like okay the road's out okay we'll get horses oh wait these things hear vibrations or feel vibrations under the ground so we can't like do that anymore and they keep you know they keep adapting to the mm-hmm. new information they get in this you know very bizarre thing where there's just like well there's subterranean were monsters that came up from underground i guess and we just hadn't seen it so i like that the characters yeah. all changed what they totally. needed to do in order to yeah. keep surviving there this this movie was like nonsense in real life but really pretty consistent in its own movie so that was like pretty good and enjoyable Mm -hmm. the only conceit of the film that i i didn't even not like it i just thought it was convenient and like felt more convenient than other conceits of the film was they just posited how smart these creatures are (laughs) yeah like that they're just able to not only like they can dig traps for like they know exactly where the road is so that they can dig the trap there like how do they know that i I don't know It, it was like they they know how to they can learn really quickly to shoot the bomb right back to where the people <laughs> above the ground are like they can't see them their vibration sensors must be so well they're so good calibrated yeah. <laughs> so i was just I, like i like that i chuckled a bit i chuckled a bit i was like oh okay these graboids are at least as smart as kevin bacon <laughs> <laughs> they are much more like more able to adapt than the ones from your next like the villains from your next. Yeah, yes. So. The villains from your next. Yeah, but that's because. It was a welcome change. That's because they didn't have an ego. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but I, I love the like hand wavy debate where they're thinking like, 
There's this one scene where they're in the store and they're like, where could these things be coming from? And someone's like, I bet they're aliens. And someone's like, I bet they're from before the fossil record. And someone says, nah. And Kevin Bacon's like, no, the government made them. And then they never really address it again. They have like, it's like, it doesn't matter. But that's what the sequels are for. (laughs) Exactly. More graboid lore and understanding of how they uh, how they work and again luke to to bring it back to something you said in a previous episode now that these things exist they can start studying them and they can start uh, understanding them in the the real world of science which is you know immediately what they're talking about at the end they're like we killed them yes now we get to study these things and, and figure out how they they move so hopefully in the sequels there's like understanding about graboids being a thing i honestly don't think we'll ever watch them i would not i would not put that on any of you but you know i would hope that they they go with some lore and say like okay this is like what we know about graboids and their genealogy and their not genealogy but their physiology and and how how they operate because yeah they were smart and it didn't matter why they were smart it was just like okay we gotta adapt because they're real smart well that led to a more compelling villain though right like mm-hmm. if if they d- repeated that fishing thing twice it would have been like oh, okay great but like it added to it and it was it felt consistent in the fact that they adapted throughout the entire movie right it wasn't just right. the end where the the two final graboids adapted and the last one was able to spit the bomb back out but it was like throughout the entire movie they all adapted right i would say at the very start they were able to adapt into you know, feeling vibrations, like that's their initial thing is feeling mm-hmm. out the vibrations and that's where they attack. But then they soon realize like sometimes they're distracting, like uh, like people are making noises on purpose to distract them. So they're like, we're, we're going to wait it out a little bit longer. And then they learn like, oh, like they're in this big armored tank that we can't take out. Like they, they like when I think when they were rescuing Bert and Heather from their bunker, like right. you could see the graboids trying to pull the bulldozer down, but they weren't able to do it because it was too strong. So they're like, "Okay, we can't pull this down. What can we do next? Oh, we're gonna dig like a little tunnel for the thing to for the bulldozer to fall a down." Trap. And then they adapted to, "Oh, my my buddy just got blown up by a bomb that they faked as like bait. So I'm not gonna do it. And instead, I'm gonna spit this explosive thing back at them." I felt it was really consistent throughout the whole film. Yes. Uh, they were adapting constantly and it wasn't just at the end which is it wasn't just like all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're smart enough to figure this out they they could obviously glean information and if we if we take the if we take the tack that these things have been a creature that have been around forever and just nobody had happened to see them and their prey was i don't know wild animals and deer or or, or things like that then those animals maybe don't learn to adapt quite as quickly and so they didn't have you know they didn't have a reason to adapt until they ran into humans but again we don't know because they don't they don't discover it and it doesn't matter (laughs) at all (laughs) that that is a lot of shoehorning in evolution for particular specifically for these creatures well do do you think it's similar to like the the thing in the thing how it was adapting and you know transforming into different characters to like fake out other characters like it's pretty similar in that yeah, that's sense true i think i think the bias there though is that like the thing is a alien super intelligence or something like that maybe this is an alien super true. intelligence maybe this is of the thing maybe this is the thing <laughs> and it just was like i don't need to copy people's bodies i can just eat them with my <laughs> independent brain tongues <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, huh? I think I think not knowing the backstory of these things is fine. And then just oh, yeah. accepting, like, they're not dumb, right? Like, once you realize that they're not dumb and the characters say that, and you can, you as the audience member can visually see that they've been adapting this entire movie, mm-hmm. I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. If you're just deus exing that they're smart at the end, then maybe I would have a bigger problem with it. But it felt natural to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, no, that that makes all everything in the movie makes sense. As soon as you start asking questions about like outside the parameter of the timelines of the movie, you start running into logic problems. Like, so these smart things have never been seen before by any yeah. seismograph or any, by anyone. What? Like, huh? They just came out today. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Like, I guess you could say they're aliens that just got there today. So fair enough. I think that's the most plausible interpretation yeah. that they're alien slugs that are super geniuses that just showed up on that day. They just yeah, they just happened to go in that day. And uh, although I do think that the movie would have been made lesser if there was like a opening scene where there was a comet streaking down or something, and that was like supposed to be the aliens landing. I think that would like you know the fact that you don't get to know what these things are just that they are these giant subterranean worms well <laughs> is great really, then, then, then you have the movie evolution which is a great movie <laughs> it is a good movie oh that millennium there's another movie totally inspired by tremors <laughs> oh yeah evolution in a bar with the sound <laughs> off perfect <laughs> so good i will say though that once they have figured out this like graboid fishing thing that they're doing with the explosions, this is the exact type of town that would make that a sport eventually. They'd be like, you know, and five years <laughs> later, they know how to deal with graboids and they're like, you know, big Richie Riches can come and do graboid fishing. <laughs> like, maybe, 100%. maybe the sequel maybe the sequel has Macaulay Culkin in it. Oh. <laughs> Why? Why Macaulay Culkin specifically? I, isn't he Richie Rich? Oh yes, right. I said Richie Rich. <laughs> he was Richie Rich. Thank you. Thank you Remember, so much. Remember, Billy. This is a movie about all the other movies. <laughs> this episode of the podcast is about almost everything except Tremors. <laughs> <laughs> how how well do you think the setting played a role in making this movie the way it is? Mm. It was kind of in the middle of buttfuck nowhere, Nevada. It's like literally in a valley with one road with like tar paper shacks and trailers. Yeah, was it 38 miles from the nearest town with help? <laughs> yeah, Bixby, I think it was. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, obviously, for plot purposes, like, it had to be a secluded place. But I'm thinking, like, would, would this movie have had a different feel if it wasn't, like, deserty, like Nevada? Would it? What if it had been, like, in the lush forests of, I don't know, the Ozarks? Or, you know, the, the winter tundra of, I don't know, Northwest Territories? Would it would it have given it different? Would would the monsters have been different? Like th- these clearly look like 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 sand creatures. Like it, it, I just felt like I was on Tatooine the whole time with the Sarlacc. <laughs> they did feel like very Sarlacc-y, didn't they? Yeah, that's oh, yeah. where they're they're Sarlaccs. <laughs> and then the whole like the cowboy shtick, you know, like the who, who can ride horses yep. and like we got gu- we got we got guns. <laughs> oh boy, do they do they have guns? I think you're right, Alex. I think the desert setting really played a part into it because it's like sand is something that you can easily sort of move through subterraneanly it's um, subterraneously whatever like if it was in the forest then it would have to be they'd have to have some reason for them not 
you know, getting tied up by tree roots or something. Or in the ground, it's like, how can they dig through the perm- permafrost? So the desert being like sand, and then, of course, what else is there in, in the desert but sand and, and you know, rocks, right? So rocks are where mm-hmm. they're safe. Rock time is safety in this movie. <laughs> I really, I really love this setting. I really thought that it was, for what the movie was, for it being like a monster with like a puppety thing that just like sprayed around all the scenes of it burrowing up under the sand and then up under the 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 planks and when they're tearing down the store and it's the roof is all like wavy and it just looked like a really interesting practical set i thought like wow this movie like really made you feel like you're in there and and it was all i don't know gimbals and and sets that they built and designed to do that which was i don't know just so cool to me yeah, what they didn't tell us was that Bugs Bunny was a guest star in this movie. <sighs> Uncredited, of course. Mm. Yeah. Six <laughs> degrees from Bugs Bunny. <laughs> and he was in a movie with Michael Jordan. Ah, all goes together. Well, but Luke, what so, do you think about the setting? Yeah, I thought it was great. I think settings have always been kind of a staple in the iconic nature of horror films. You know, like you associate the, the haunted house or the dark forest right or the uh, like there's just different ways of manipulating your environment for a horror motif and desert might be a little harder than most just because it is so there's like less available to you in the natural environment so you know you could have a good alien movie out in the desert with the kind mm-hmm. of roswellian feel but yeah these an an underground type of monster is perfect for a desert setting because you can see the ground move and you can see the ground move so far like from a distance but you still don't see the monster quote unquote right so it's it it was affecting i mean i it wouldn't have made sense to have any other setting for these kind of like if you had them in a forest you just wouldn't see them like i guess you could see the trees go up and down but there's something cool about it being like bushes and just kind of dead shrubs and stuff like that. And also, of course, I enjoyed that the town was called Perfection. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like yeah. its own its own little tongue-in-cheek. Population 14 people. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think the only other setting where this could possibly take place as effectively would be like Saskatchewan. You know, similar flat you know, farmlands, maybe not as deserty. So there's some fun stuff you can do with crops, I guess, but... I think, yeah. yeah, it has to be something with these big wide open vistas so you can either see the, the tunnel or the hump of it like burrowing through or the, you know, a big plume of dust where it's like, that's where it is over there. And yeah, I guess in the in mm-hmm. the forest, you don't see that, but that wouldn't yeah. stop me it, from it, making a grabber movie or a graboid movie in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think having like an open kind of environment added to the tension for the characters because it's like we know that they sense our vibrations and they attack us from underground. And if we're standing on something else, like we're safer. So if you're in this wide open place with not a lot and mm-hmm. you know, there's only one rock, like, I don't know, 500 meters away and you know, you have to get there to be safe. It like, of course it added to it. Right. And yeah. then, you know, the pole, the pole vaulting was all, also a nice touch. That was really fun. That was a very fun scene. You're right. If it was in a forest, what's to stop anyone from being like, oh no, there's a graboid climb tree safe. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I loved I loved the setting. It was the it was the perfect place for it, and I think they did a good job. So great job, Maddox, the director. I thought Underwood was the director. Who said Maddox early? Maddox wrote it. 
Oh, well, great writing, Maddox. I guess the writer did okay. wrote this. Or Maddick. 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 Well, whatever. Whoever wrote it and whoever directed it, thumbs up for me. So, Maddick, the name of that soup? <laughs> That's Haddock, right? That's a fish. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Mm. He's doing a callback. Oh, my mistake. It was written by Brent Maddock, S.S. Wilson, and Ron Underwood. So, all three of them wrote it together. What the Fun best trio there ever was. Second, of course, What's to ours. T- captain Haddock, the captain in Tintin as well? Yep. Yeah. Yep. There we go. Billions of blistering blue barnacles. Yeah. And I might add, this movie would not have worked in a snowy environment like the thing did. <laughs> Which is the name of Tintin's dog. Luke, is this your goal yes. to just make every sentence you say another another tie-in line? <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. Tintin was a Belgian creation, and I'm waffling on what to say next. <laughs> sure are. Okay, here's my question. Here's my question. Serious question. This is a very serious serious podcast full of serious people. But what do you think there was more of in this movie? Guns or the phrase sons of bitches? Guns. There were so many guns. <laughs> so I, many. I love that shot where it was Bert and Heather are in their bunker and mm-hmm. like the, the graboid. worm. Graboid. The graboid like comes out through the wall and they're shooting at it. And then it just pans over to the back wall and it's like <laughs> it's, it's a shooting range. And it's not just any shooting range. It's a it's a variety of shooting ranges, right? Like there's like you got your you got your hunting rifles. You you have your stuff that you would probably have in like a small town in Nevada. But then he had like a like an elephant rifle. <laughs> he had Uzis, like he was in the mob. There was everything. And then he was mm. making bombs, like pipe bombs. Yeah. Just happened to know. I like that he's introduced at the start as like this kind of weird guy, but. The, I didn't really notice anybody saying like, oh, you're always planning for the apocalypse or something, because that's clearly what he was. He talks about how he's got his bunker with five years of food and a thousand gallons of gas and every gun in the entire world, it seems. And I just thought that 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 scene really put the nail on the head of or the final nail in the coffin of this like campy, campy, campy movie, where it's just like cutting between the graboid flailing around and Reba McIntyre and her husband just shooting different guns is like anytime it like we'd cut to the graboid and cut back, they'd have a different gun. She had like a shotgun and then two pistols. And then someone's doing like an Uzi and it was just mm-hmm. like, yep, this movie was definitely, <laughs> uh, and, and even, even their license plate, you know, like when they pull up, I don't know if you caught the license plate. It said Uzi for you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. This Tremors brought doing. to you by the NRA. Oh yeah, proudly sponsored by the Second Amendment. Well, I'll I'll tell you who was inspired by them was Howard from Ten Cloverfield Lane. If you remember that oh, movie, yeah. that movie was good. The survivalist bunker guy who ends up being right, but not in the way he necessarily anticipated. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You did it again, Luke. Yeah. See, I'm telling you, like. This movie is got its graboid tentacles in pop culture for sure. Oh yeah, and yeah, I think that <laughs> it spawned so many different takes in different different genres. Because I don't remember really. I guess a movie like this, you know, before this would have been Jaws, where it's like man versus thing, and then they they added space to it because it was the '90s and 
it couldn't just be something that was terrestrial. I, get, I mean, we don't know if it was terrestrial. We're assuming space because that's that's our headcanon. But, you know, it, it didn't seem like there was that many. I don't know. There must have been monster movies that inspired Tremors, though. Right. Like from the the 50s and 60s, those there's always it always seems like in other movies, if they're watching a monster movie, it's like some screaming woman with a very large tarantula like stomping around behind her <laughs> do you know what i'm talking about mm. like those black and white movies from the 40s i think it was the background <laughs> movies the from fright night right yes yeah exactly mm. yeah there you go another one another another nothing to fear hit <laughs> fright night that makes me think of another movie eight-legged freaks you ever see that one <laughs> No, but David Arquette's in it, right? David Arquette, yeah. Yeah. That'd actually be a great movie for us to do because it's exactly like this movie. So campy, but instead of like worms, it's spiders who are trying to kill everybody. Well, that's the thing. I think with these types of movies, it's always like, what if we did Tremors, but with spiders? It's like, what if we did, you know, Jaws, Mm. but with wolves or something? Like having, having a movie that's basically the same plot, but you know a different yeah. a different covering is huge well, and it's what hollywood always wants right i have to think so, tremors was definitely inspired by star wars with the with the sarlacc, uh, space yeah. the space slug and the sarlacc mm, yeah so yeah okay th- this got me thinking so you okay. know how i think all three of us are agreeing that this is the farthest thing from like one of the farthest things from a horror movie and it was not scary <laughs> at all right zero out of then, zero scares yeah, zero scares. But Luke, you talked about like eight-legged freaks being very similar, super campy, not really a horror movie, but instead of worms, it's spiders. And you know how some people are like absolutely terrified of spiders, right? And mm. that that's fair. Yeah. They probably find eight-legged freaks very scary because of their fear of spiders. Do you think there are some people out there in the world that would find Tremors really scary because they find worms? Like like the, they have an irrational fear of worms? Okay. I'm going to I'm going to say this right now because I watched this movie earlier remember at the the start of the episode I talked about how this movie scared me when I was little because it was freaky and I don't know I was a little kid I didn't know what lived under the ground but I do remember a kid at my school also telling me that no there were actual worms that lived underground that were blood sucking worms that would get you like it's all bullshit but of course I believed it and so for a while if I dug up worms like I was helping my mom in the garden or I was just digging around or when it rained or something and there was worms on the sidewalk I was like I hope I don't find one of those blood sucking worms that my friend talked about because <laughs> I don't want to get my blood sucked I don't have that much. I'm a kid I don't have that much blood I need it I'm using it all <laughs> so yes I think if someone had a very strong phobia of worms then yes this would be scary Billy Billy aren't those called leeches <laughs> no Luke those live in water jeez oh okay yeah oh Stand by me. Okay. <laughs> I think um, for sure that this movie was yeah. was would be scary for some people. The answer to your question is definitely yes, Alex. Because mm-hmm. and maybe not even just worms, but like underground things, anything that comes out of the ground that can be surprising. There's probably a phobia for a more broad subterranean phobia or something like that. Anything underground. It's yeah. It's graboid phobia. <laughs> it's named after this movie. You know. <laughs> You know what was the most realistic scare of this movie is when they were walking back or something and Earl falls into like a gopher hole. <laughs> yeah. 
He's mm. like, these damn prairie dog holes. <laughs> That's the scariest thing. Like, gopher yeah. holes, don't mess with them. You can, like, really badly sprain your ankle. You can hurt yourself big time in gopher can... holes. Yeah. That was, that was the most realistic scare. That was the <laughs> funniest part, too, because... <laughs> yeah it was just holes. it was just part of the humor of this movie and those like again i'll come back to it kevin bacon and fred ward did an amazing job of building these mm-hmm. like believable i mean maybe they weren't playing that far out of type it seemed like fred ward has always been in some sort of movie where he knows how to hold a gun and smirk a little bit <laughs> judging by his imdb but like it was it was a ton of fun. I had a ton of fun in this movie. And I, I keep mm-hmm. circling back because I don't really know what else to talk about. So anybody, anyone got anything else? We can talk a little bit about the other characters. There oh, was yes. Melvin, the shitbag kid. Fucking Melvin. You know, you know, one thing I did like about this, like one, one other thing I liked about this movie is like Melvin was obviously like, he's a prankster. He likes joking around. He likes making people. He, he's the boy that cried wolf, right? Mm-hmm. And in this movie, he cried many times he uh, graboid he, many times many times and the one time that he actually got graboid and he was screaming what i did like in this movie is that they weren't like oh well it's melvin like fuck him right they were actually like okay we're still gonna check on him <laughs> but i'm gonna kill him when i see him yeah right <laughs> they're so like i like that <laughs> yeah i like that they they didn't they didn't just like ignore him and then oops we lost melvin although we would have been okay without Melvin, I think. And yeah, they're like, I'm going to I'm gonna get him if, if he is screwing around again. And then I also mm. liked when the prepper gets him to move by giving him a gun. Because throughout the movie, he's like, I'm never giving you one of my guns. These are for grownups. And not even if it was World War Three. And then it's like, we got to run to these rocks. And so he hands him the gun to, to give him the courage <laughs> in order to, to make it to the rocks, which turns out to be unloaded. I thought that was a beautiful 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 touch <laughs> yeah yeah so when he when he hands him the gun he's like he, like here take this i'm like no don't give him a don't gun him he's a an gun. idiot he's gonna fall on it he's gonna shoot himself he's gonna shoot someone else by accident and then when like that was my thought the second he gave him the gun but then when when he finds out it's unloaded i'm like okay that's good like this character had the same thought process as i did like i would <laughs> not give melvin a loaded gun ever but I will trick him because you know what, Melvin, you tricked enough people. It's time for you to get tricked in a way that actually ends up benefiting you greatly. So mm-hmm. Luke, what yeah, movie Melvin... connection are you going to make? <laughs> uh, Leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> Melvin reminded me of that kid in Leprechaun a little bit. He did. Alex. Maybe yeah, he, was the way li- he looked. He's know. a little precocious. He was yeah. a little bit annoying. He was such a mother humper. <laughs> Yeah, they uh, they they busted their fuckload way early in this film. They got two. They got uh, Kevin Bacon got to say one, and then Melvin says one, and also flips off the 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 gun guy. <laughs> but I do think right. that they tried to get away with motherfucker, and then the standards board was like, no, no, say mother humper. It's weirder somehow. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, so a little bit of trivia. Oh, okay. So, Tremors was set for a November 1989 release. However, the MPAA gave the film an R rating owing to the language, and the creators <laughs> decided at the last minute to make the film more commercially available. Over 20 or so uses of the word fuck were either cut or redubbed with softer words. Examples include, can you fly, you sucker, and we killed that mother humper, among several others. 
That's amazing. That's like something That's you funny. hear about them doing for TV. Like when a movie goes to a TV channel, they like edit out the swears. But the fact that they actually did it for the movie is amazing. That's that's incredible and then i wonder okay so i wonder now that makes me think do you think the the amount of times that earl swore around Rhonda, and then it was like oh part of my french do you think that was a reshoot because they came back and it was like <laughs> you're swearing too much and they're like fine earl we're gonna do some reshoots and you're gonna get to swear a bunch more really all he said was son of a bitch over and over again but yeah. i wonder if that that paid into it at all <laughs> Yeah, lots of pardon my French, but you know what? Perfect. Now this is a great American family movie. You know, not a lot of swearing, not swearing, zero sex, but you know we got a ton of guns and violence, so that's good. (laughs) Well, pure American values. And speaking of American values, this movie followed in at least the Alien and Poltergeist toe probably a few other films of finding a gratuitous plot device to get their lead female character into her underwear (laughs) that was great yeah it's yeah she gets tangled up in barbed wire and then they're like you gotta take your pants off oh okay (laughs) but then the general store had jeans in her size and shoes so Mm -hmm. she was fine she's totally fine yeah (laughs) walter was a cool character i liked walter yeah Talk he looked that. like me, so I liked him right away. And yeah, he he seemed he seemed fun. Like he was always trying to like make money some way, right? Like, oh, I'll buy this worm off you, and then what do we call it? We can we can make so much money from this. And yeah, among chaos, nice. opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he knew he knew the value of working hard, and I mean, if we can fault him for anything, it's that he didn't repair his fridge enough or have a phone that was working because ultimately both contributed to his downfall rest in peace walter (laughs) there's these one-off lines like val kevin bacon's character is trying to call call bixby on the phone he's like the phone's not working and then i don't know if either of you picked up but walter was like i didn't do it like what do you mean you did like like of course you didn't do anything to the phone (laughs) uh that's that's just 90s quota dialogue for silliness no, that yeah. was probably Walter saying, like, you know what? Fuck you, Val. And then they had to change it to something mm, a little bit nicer yes, for the release. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good point. <laughs> but, you know, he was an opportunist, right? He's like, you know what? This town, not even town, this hamlet. Is it even a hamlet? I don't know. No. What do we call this? A neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> what would this campsite in the middle of nowhere in perfection nevada need it needs a general store so i'm gonna be the one to set it up there yeah and i'll have a monopoly it's just the only place to go the only game in town but he was it looked looked sweet there was like gatorade there were canned goods there were jeans shoes i think there were jugs of water everything everything you could ever wanted duracell batteries i really loved the 90s product placement in this movie like just one Mm. flat of gatorade being on top of a shelf for no reason or all the you know all the pepsi (laughs) pepsi products in the (laughs) pepsi fridge and (laughs) just mindy's mindy's pogo stick and headphones yeah (laughs) right Mm -hmm. perfect product placement hey listeners billy here just jumping in mid-episode to let you know that nothing to fear has a sponsor for this week we are sponsored by unclockable unclockable makes feel good gender affirmative products for femmes by fans they exist to help you be you and wear what you want 
If you haven't seen it for yourself, their tuck kit is totally euphoric. With Unclockable, your tuck does what gaffs don't. It's swim-proof, gym-proof, and life-proof, and will never show a panty line. So you can securely express yourself, live your life, and keep your parts private. Whether you're new to tucking or have been doing it for some time, Unclockable is something to try out. Right now, you can get a home try-on kit for just $5.49. Happiness is guaranteed, and listeners of this podcast can get $2 off their first order. Just go to unclockable.com slash neverfear or use code NEVERFEAR, all capital letters, nothing between the words, at checkout. That's unclockable.com slash neverfear or use code NEVERFEAR at checkout for $2 off your first order. Unclockable, be you. When you're seen, good things happen. Now, I use Unclockable and I was super impressed by the ease and comfort of their product. And they also have some other cool merch on their site. So anyone can go check it out. We're super grateful for Unclockable for supporting the show. So once again, that's unclockable.com slash neverfear and use code neverfear, all capital letters, nothing between the words for $2 off your first order. Back to the show. And then, so of course, good. let's not forget all the guns where they spend a long time like debating which gun to use because of the size of bullets and type of damage. And I was like, oh, yeah, I bet you the NRA gave some. some yeah, Reba knows all about that. <laughs> Reba knows about the, the different, you know, caliber sizes and the penetration, you know, velocity needed to kill the worms. Kill the graboids. No, I'm calling them worms. Graboids. You're not going with graboids? Two syllables. Worms is one syllable. That's twice as fast. So I'm going to say run from the worm. That's fast to say run from the graboid. You know, that one syllable can save a lot of time. Well, and you're right. That's why I never fuck with haikus. You're right. Mm. <laughs> Too long. <laughs> why say one word? Why, why say many words when one word do do job better? One I don't know. One word does what job do better. Say? That's like Kevin yeah. from The Office. I've Wait, got... you're going to see world or you want to see the world? <laughs> <laughs> I want to worm. Run from worm. Run from worm. Run from worm, Michael. <laughs> Look at Banner, Michael. <laughs> so, oh. I think, listeners, you're probably aware that we are out of things to talk about, but I'm just going to ask the question anyway. Any last things you want to bring up for Tremors? The weirdest... I, th- I would say this is one of the weirdest movies we've done. Because it's not really a horror movie. Yeah, it's it's a monster comedy movie, for sure. Yeah, I mean, but I had a heck of a fun time. I think I'd just reiterate that this movie strikes me as a kind of, in a weird way, almost a love letter to the genre more than a movie I can kind of evaluate on its own merits. I mean, there's obviously some entertaining parts and especially Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward's togetherness is good, but I get I, I get a kick much more out of its holistic contribution to the world of movies more than anything it specifically does itself fair enough fair enough should we even bother with this scariest part of the entire movie because we gotta be consistent we We gotta be consistent all right then consistent as is alex what's the scariest part of the entire movie for you the scariest part of the movie is i don't know when that husband wife are out in the desert and she's like let's get back to the car and he's like no relax there's nothing and he gets sucked down he's like pull me out pull me out someone's got me and he dies and she witnesses him dying that was the scariest part that was yeah yeah i mean like anytime you see a loved one die in front of you that's probably a scary thing 
and there's nothing you can do about it. So that's going to be my scariest part of the movie. All right. Luke, how about you? The scariest part of this movie is how it showed in a realistic way how the only thing that can stop a bad smart worm is a good guy with a million guns. (laughs) Yeah, really really sends a message, eh? (laughs) I think the scariest part for me and because I'm d- digging back into my childhood is I that image of the guy holding on to the electrical wire has stuck with me ever since I saw it when I was a kid and I had I had imagined it different like the way my memory has gone it has changed in my in my mind's eye when I think back to it I thought this was like it was basically someone who'd been skeletonized or electrified or something so it was kind of like a mummy up there somehow but it was really just like a sort of freshly dead old guy but that mo- that scene of the guy who's like so scared that he had to climb all the way up this electrical pole and then died from dehydration that stuck with me for so long for yeah 31 years so mm. that one's that one's that's my scariest part followed closely by i think the part that was supposed to be the most shocking was when you just see farmer fred's hat on the ground and kevin bacon takes uh, it up yeah. and it's farmer fred's head and all the sheep are dead as well. So rest in peace, Farmer Fred. Fred's head, baby. Fred's, Fred's head. head. <laughs> <laughs> Pulp Fiction. <laughs> We're doing all of them. Yeah. Every movie. All right. <laughs> well, let's give this thing a rating, shall we? And my impulse is to rate it out of out of graboid mouth tongues or tongues with mouths, but... I'm willing to entertain other options. So what else have you got? Pogo sticks. Pogo sticks. <laughs> Any choices, Alex? No, no, no. Pipe homemade pipe bombs. Homemade pipe bombs. I'll uh, the Unabomber. No. Okay. Yeah. Let's do pogo sticks because worm tongues are gross and in a different movie. Lord of the Rings. Worm tongue. We did it. <laughs> All right, Luke, what are you giving this one out of pogo sticks? I'm going to do something. I'm going to do a first ever in my ratings, I think. Oh, okay. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it two ratings. <laughs> Folks, I'm this has never say, been done before. Here we go. And unsanctioned. So sorry, Billy. But I think <laughs> in the world of movies in general, this is like a 1.5 out of 5. But in the movie <laughs> of the campy hilarity, this is like a 4 out of 5. So I have to give it two ratings. Okay. <laughs> on its merits and then on its enjoyment i yeah am on board for that alex what about you i'm gonna stay consistent and do one rating you know because mm. consistency is my message <laughs> 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 i had fun with it like i was never bored in this movie it was always a good time i i laughed a lot yeah so i'm gonna give this a 2.95 out of five pogo sticks 2.95 uh, yeah I I had so much fun with this movie. I'm so glad that this movie I watched randomly when I was a little kid held up in all the ways that I wanted it to. And so I'm going to give it a rating that is the GPA of my good friend Alex, a 3.09. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you remember so much about me. <laughs> Callback. All right. All right. So would... 
would you watch this movie again or and i'll and i'll also another unsanctioned question would you watch any of the sequels to tremors again alex would you watch it again i would look at it if it was on mute in a bar <laughs> and i would be like ha i remember this this was funny but i wouldn't i don't think i would seriously wa- watch this like front to back again it's just like it was a good good time one and done is good for me that's what i was and i don't think i would want to watch any of the sequels because as entertaining as this movie was the worms just weren't that compelling of a monster to me like they they look cool but and i I liked how they adapted but there was nothing like really that made me cling on to oh these are so interesting it was just like these are some you know some flaccid flapping things underground and sometimes they bite people so yeah, no, I, I don't. I wouldn't watch any of the sequels. Alex, 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 Klingons are from a different planet. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, they're from Kronos. Luke, uh, would you watch this and any of its sequels? They're from Starship Troopers, right? Yes. <laughs> God, I would again if it was on in a bar on silent, maybe. Although I would say paradoxically i'd probably be more inclined to watch this movie again than any of the sequels that i have not seen (laughs) you know what addendum if this was on at a bar on mute i would ask if they could like turn up the volumes just so i could hear them say you know like son of a bitch you know and things like mother humper i'd like to hear those quips i always say better the tremor you know than the tremor you don't (laughs) i think that's a good impulse alex i think that shock value of what a graboid is doing how can you make that you know fresh and unique every time unless they go to different environments and explain this whole grand different evolution different types of subspecies of graboid so i think that once we get the the magic of this formula which is like big snake under the sand shoot at it run away that would lose its appeal over several several sequels so i would also not watch any of the sequels i don't think but i would probably if this was free or on a, at a bar or somehow i was watching a broadcast tv even though it's 2021 and this was on i'd be like okay all right what you got for me tremors my face hurts from laughing so much which is the sign of a great movie and a great episode mm. but <laughs> we should move now into the something to cheer section so I'd like to go first this week for my something to cheer. And it's something that happened this very morning when friend of the podcast, it's actually, the story starts a couple days earlier, but friend of the podcast, Danae, had a post on her Instagram stories about her making these like hair scrunchies, just sort of crocheting them. And I was like, oh, that'd be neat. I'd, I'd think I'd like one. And how can I buy them? And she was just like, I'll make one for you and you can come pick it up. So this morning I drove down to her house. I got to see her wonderful dog daisy in the window we didn't talk because we're still like covid and everything so i got the uh, scrunchies that i'm currently wearing in my hair right now from her and i gave her a daytime safety sticker as thank you so thank Mm. you for the thank you for the hair scrunchie danae and thanks for being a podcast listener and thanks for being alex's coworker. (laughs) so that's my (laughs) story to cheer luke what you got well since it's been a whole week since our last recording. I have so much at the top of my mind for something to cheer, so I don't know which to pick. <laughs> you know what? It spawned from today's episode. I'm going to cheer 
how pop culture savvy the three of us are to make really unnecessary <laughs> jokes around because that's the the glue of life that I love. So as as Kurt Vonnegut says, pay attention to the little things because they're actually the big things. I guess he was also thinking of the, the guy from The Boys. <laughs> so I'm cheering. I'm... <laughs> I'm cheering. I'm cheering the three of ours pop culture savvy and sense of humor. I'll leave it that way. Ah, that's that's sweet. And I I agree. I love I love doing riffs. I love going on little podcast deep dives and uh, not not podcast deep dives, pop culture deep dives. And you two are the best in that business. So thanks, Alex. What are you cheering? <laughs> oh, it's my turn. It's your turn. <laughs> so it goes. I'll go again. <laughs> So I'm cheering this week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to echo Luke, since it's been a whole, you know, seven days since our last recording, I have lots. You guys have no chill. You have no chill at all. (laughs) (laughs) What's chill? (laughs) Billy, it is as warm outside today as it was last week. You know, (laughs) no chill. I guess I'll I'll just I'll just cheer the movie club I'm in with the people I work with. So shout out to Danae and James. You know we alternate picking a movie each time, and my pick, the most recent pick, was Hunt for the Wilder People. Wilder People. Oh, I Wilder love that people. Movie. So good. Yeah. So I watched that on the weekend. Such a fun movie. So great and very charming. So that's my cheer. Hunt for the Wilder People is a great one and is that because you just watched godzilla versus kong and julian dennison was in that movie and he was in hunt for the wilder people you know what i actually i actually picked it i picked i picked it like a week and a half ago before godzilla versus kong oh. sorry sorry Bill. two and a half weeks ago before <laughs> godzilla versus kong thank you okay 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 I, I recently watched thor ragnarok again and sam neill plays fake odin in the play i don't know if you remember yes. that because yep. matt, yeah, yeah. matt damon kind of steals the show as fake loki so i saw it this time sam neill is fake odin and i'm just like whoa this is so great <laughs> and, and considering that we have we got to talk about all the movies today so also liam hemsworth plays fake thor in the play which is funny because <laughs> so chris hemsworth's brother or Luke, or Luke Hemsworth. It's one of the other, the lesser famous Hemsworths. Mm. Okay, you know what? Luke, yeah. Luke Mason's my favorite. Luke, yeah, more than Skywalker. No way. <laughs> Have I've never I met mean... Luke Skywalker? <laughs> you are in my phone as Luke Skywalker, but <laughs> he really fell off in the Last Jedi. So <laughs> okay, what are you talking about? I thought and he was that... great. <laughs> And with that, another episode of the Nothing to Fear podcast comes full circle. Thank you so much for everybody listening. Thank you for putting up with us every week. If you like what you hear and if you tolerate what you hear, please leave us a review. Talk to us. Leave us a rating on iTunes or Apple Music or however you get your podcasts. And yeah, drop us a line. Drop me a DM on Nothing to Fear podcast over on Instagram or at NTF Pod on Twitter. You can also send us an email at Nothing to Fear podcast at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. Let us know what you're cheering, what your favorite weirdo movie from the 90s was. Let us, like, let's, let's chat. If you would like to support the show, rating and review is the easiest way to do that. But if you have a spare couple coins rattling around and you want to buy some merch, we do have a couple things 
up for sale on our merch sites, either on TeePublic or Society6. There's a great many designs that we have on there. And the classic logo and daytime and safety designs are, are going to be up there for our for all times. And it would really help us out a lot. So, Luke, when people aren't... When, when you're not making movie references on this show, where can people hear you? <laughs> uh, really True Fiction, Spaces Between the Words on all major and minor podcasting applications. Appetizers and uh, at Side app- dishes. apartments. Uh, yes. <laughs> Alex, how about you? Where can other people, where can people interact with you if they wish? Well, you can follow me on Instagram at just kidding. <laughs> no, just here. <laughs> good one. Very good one. You're getting very creative at denying. Uh, yeah, there's only so many ways presence. I can say no. Yeah. Don't, don't look for me. <laughs> don't look him up. But Yes. You're not quite done yet, Alex, so I have to mm-hmm. thank you for the music. Thank you very much for that. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> and thank you to Katie and Madison for our designs that we have for the show. Thank you, both you, Luke, and Alex, for, for recording and, and meeting a whole week after the last recording. A wink. And Alex, next week, it's your turn to mm-hmm. pick. So It's my pick. What are we watching? I have picked a recent, more recent movie. It came out in 2020. So we are going to be watching the film called His House. Oh, I was going to pick that one next time. It was my turn. So good choice. Good choice. Pick a different one. Okay. I will. His House next week. Okay. I'm excited to watch that one. Well, we're not going to record at anybody's houses except our own. Your house. His house. His house. (laughs) Luke's house. Luke's house. All right. Until next week, everybody, until that very wonderful occasion when we're all together again, I will remind you that they're just movies. There's nothing to fear. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fred Dwarf. Child's play. Bam. Fred Fred Dwarf. Fred Dwarf. Fred Dwarf. Dwarf. Why say Dwarf when you can say Dwarf? One syllable. Faster.